Blog Talk Radio. This is BC Radio Live with Philip and Eric. Live online at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. Aloha. Well, first up tonight, we hope to chat with jazz singer Rosie, whose new album Luckiest Girl was released earlier this month. Then we'll talk with Lipstick and Dipstick, whose magazine advice column has been turned into a book called Lipstick and Dipstick's Essential Guide to Lesbian Relationships. After that, we'll be joined by Arnie Johnson and Karen Macklin, and we'll talk about their new book, Indie Girl, starting a band and launching a fashion company, nine ways to turn your creative talent into reality. Finally, we'll chat with singer-songwriter Holly Long, whose new album, Leaving Kansas, yesterday. With advice and inspiration and music for everyone tonight, this is BC Radio Live. It's all about the women tonight. It is. It is. Well, the chat room is is now open at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. Live video feed is now running. I am Philip Wynn, Chief Geek at BC Magazine, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Eric Olson, founder and publisher of BC Magazine. Howdy, Eric. Hi, Philip. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm a little concerned about technical issues at the moment, uh, but we'll we'll see how we muddle along. We're actually uh, the, I'm meaning to update our intro, that uh, smooth voiceover that mentions your name and my name, but not Lisa's name. Uh, but fortunately, tonight uh, Lisa's at a Joe Jackson concert and unable. Yeah, to we could it. we could have used some uh, feminine input tonight, I think, but uh, <laughs> but that's all right. We will be we will be schooled. I'm interested to ask old Arnie here. How he became such an advocate for girls. He's got both a film and uh, and the indie girl book. So uh, uh, that w- I, I wonder if he is a father. I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that. But you know, I, I have to say I've become much more of an advocate for women as as my two daughters have gotten older. <laughs> Me too, man. I'll tell you what, uh, having a having an eight year old and a twenty three year old sure gives me the span there. You know. I, I can honestly say, when I, as my older daughter Kristen has has aged, you know, kind of each step of the way. Obviously, she became a teenager. We 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 got into the whole. Uh, um, she's a different kind of creature now, you know, and then and, <laughs> right. and, and then became a young adult. Uh, I, I find that my perspective has changed. I I now feel this sort of protective avuncular <laughs> feelings toward you know girls and women now as old as 23 i mean you know young women now i feel oh i should be protecting them i i feel fatherly toward them but on the other hand i'm a lot older now so you know 23 year old girls i shouldn't be paying all that much attention to at this point uh, anyway you know fatherly protective sort of way right other than that exactly but i mean i'm saying i genuinely feel that way if i see you know young women now, regardless of you know how they're presenting themselves, what, my 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 first instinct is to uh, is to protect them and to uh, you know, look out for their for their interests. And I I'm guessing since it's happened each step of the way so far that as my daughter ages, you know everyone her age and younger will just seem uh, you know they're they're no longer available. And by I don't mean available. Literally, but I mean, I shouldn't even be thinking along those lines. So it's actually been very, um, I've felt uh, very relieved about that because, you know, I've 
known people, and I know people older than I am, of course, and people who have kids. And, you know, there's I, I've heard a whole range of, oh, no, you know, I'll still look at an 18-year-old, an 18-year-old, just, just – as long as they're not my daughter, you know, but but right, uh, right. I have felt my, you know, my, my perspective change. And, of course, none of this takes into account the fact that I'm quite happily married and, you know, all that's great. And, and uh, you know, she's a bit younger than I am, though. We're not, we're not going down into the 20s at this point. But right. anyway, uh, it, it is really interesting how your perspective changes. And, yes, absolutely, I feel I have, I've felt much more... Uh, you feel much more empathetic, I think, toward women and and probably girls in, even more so in particular uh, when you're a father. And it, well, it does seem to be quite natural, you know. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously, uh, in my experience at least, women change a lot when they have kids. They, this mother instinct kicks in and, and they become different people, really. Um, but it is amazing to me how much, I mean, fatherhood has changed me dramatically as well. Maybe not quite for the same chemical or hormonal reasons, but, uh, yeah, I find that I've become kind of an advocate for the, uh, the beleaguered and put upon in general, uh, as a, as a young, very young man, I was, I was quite the, uh, arrogant, well, no, I'm still arrogant, quite the, uh, <laughs> harsh, <laughs> You know, it's very harshly dismissive, dismissive of people who didn't uh, fit into the categories that, that who I... Who didn't meet I, your standards? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, what you mean. I'm, I'm, so you know, I have those tendencies as well. I, I'm, still, I'm still probably more arrogant than I should be, but I, I have to say in any conversation, I'm likely to stick up, you know, I'm likely to stick up, for example, uh, you know, for the presidential candidate I like least if, if I think they're being picked on unfairly. I know what you mean. That's typically Hillary, you know. Uh, I feel yeah. a, a certain affection for her because, man, that is a tough job. I don't care what your perceived um, advantages that you bring to the, you know, that you that, – that, a lot of people seem to think are unfair, you know, that that she right, has right. going for. Her. Yeah, okay, she she was the wife of a of a president. But the fact is is she still has to go through all this on her own and she has to bear the slings and arrows, you know, but both for herself and her own personality plus uh, for her husband and and what, you know, people who don't like him and what he went through. Uh, excuse me. Uh, as you can hear, I still have the cold. I've, I've actually <laughs> felt fine since about since the weekend, really. But man, I'm I'm still draining, and I still sound off. So I really apologize to our listeners and guests that I that I sound so bad. But but I feel fine. So yeah. Anyway, I find myself I, I'm I'm probably least inclined toward Hillary of the remaining three, and yet I find myself protective of her. I'm sure she doesn't need my protection, you know. Uh, it, it doesn't probably protect her, particularly want me to feel that way toward her. But I, I admire, you know, the fact that she's got to where she is and has sure. had the strength that she's the first one to get anywhere near this, you know, this point. I mean, it, the, the whole presidential election process is insane. I mean, people, it, it's worthwhile thinking back. We have the president we have, you know, love him or hate him, and I guess more people now hate him than love him. Or, or at least dislike his or job, dislike the job him. he's done. Like him. Yeah, um, but but we have the president we have in large part because, you know, Al Gore sighed during a debate. It, it comes down to little little things, doesn't it? It's what, really what are, odd. Are people, are people really deciding who to vote for based on how they come across and, you know, personality? I mean, I don't really care if, if we elect a robot. I don't care if we elect, 
you know, I mean, I want someone who can do the job, and I don't really care if they're nice while they do it or mean while they do it or anything else. It is a position that requires, you know, efficiency and efficaciousness. I would say those are the you, you got to be able to get it done. But on the other side, it, it, personality does count because a large part of the job is to present the United States to itself. You you are sure. you are emblematic of the nation. You are telling the nation what they are and what they can be, and you have to and you have to lead. And and so personality certainly has an aspect there and and that I think is Obama's strongest point is right, is, is the leadership the the charisma I mean when I heard you know, his race one, speech, one way or another all of the three candidates still in the race are infinitely better orators than Bush they're so, very strong yeah and yeah, when so Hillary that. relaxes a bit and and uh-huh. isn't as strident she's very effective you know people put her down for sounding kind of shrill and she can uh, but when if she just loosens up a little and, and allows her herself, you know, speaks for herself rather than speaking as candidate, that she can be very effective. And I think that's part of why she's still, you know, in it at this point. Well, have we heard from Rosie? Uh, no, we have not actually. Oh, well, that is too bad. I guess at this point we have to learn that. I, I we confirmed it. I just got off the phone not more than an hour ago with with her PR guy, and uh, you know, I. Things happen, and and as we have these narrower spots, I, we're, I, we're, I know we're never going narrower than we are now. We're not going to go shorter than 15-minute uh, spots. But when we have these relatively narrow spots, it's kind of, you know, there, there's not much room for error. I remember back when we had uh, Praz and Michelle on, we didn't get a hold of them until about 20 after, but we still had plenty of time because we weren't booking, you know, four, four slots per show. Yeah. It's a little crazy. A little tight. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, everybody has their, their errors. Certainly, uh, uh, Hillary can come across as a bit shrill on occasion. Obama can actually come across as a bit condescending on occasion. Uh, McCain can come across, I think. Uh, McCain sticks his foot in his mouth, on, uh, you know, on occasion. Um, but I think all, all three of them, by and large, present a pretty good, you know, they present a pretty good public face when they're, when they're not beleaguered as they are now. And, and people talk about, of course, you know, this is the level of pressure they should expect as president. Um, not a chance. I don't think there's a more pressure-filled, you know, uh, lifestyle in the world than to be a presidential candidate. I think being the actual president is far, far, far easier. Uh, you know, you're probably right because it's kind of like in sports. You know, they always say the playoffs, that, you know, leading up to the finals, whatever that may be, the World Series in baseball or, you know, wherever the finals are. That, that that's harder and that's more pressure than than when you do finally get to the finals because in a way you've arrived you know you're down right. to the final two teams and there's less pressure then than there is you know just getting there and so similarly to this you know once you're there you're there you've been selected you got four years to, to <laughs> before you got to go through it again well. Uh, the election itself, anyway. Uh, but uh, as the election cycle gets longer and longer, it's more like you have two years before you have to start working on it again. But, uh, uh, yes, I mean, the scrutiny and the pressure and the the comparisons that are made and, you know, the number of people who are digging and doing everything they possibly can to find anything, and if they can't find it, they're happy to make it up on you, you know, it, it really is astonishing. Astonishing anyone gets to this point. 
Right, absolutely. Well, and we started with, you know, what, 30-some-odd candidates uh, combining the two sides months ago, and a bunch of them, you know, a bunch of them didn't make it past the first couple of weeks. Well, since we only have three minutes left for, for poor Rosie, I, I imagine we will reschedule. It's too bad. I, I like her CD quite a bit, very jazzy. Yeah. She was a kind of new wave, uh, you know, alterna uh, chick on her first album, which was on a major label that came out several years ago. And uh, she's turned it around completely. She's a right. songwriter uh, as well, and and she's doing a, a very kind of a classic jazz approach on her new one. It's called Luckiest Girl. We have information on it, and I'm sure we will reconnect with her. Uh, you know, things happen. You, you never know what it is. And again, when we have these small windows, it's it's that much harder. We we require precision. We certainly welcome. Uh, Gina and Kathy to call in, you know, a minute or two early if they would like to do so. That would be fine. They're up next. Lipstick and a dipstick. That will be uh, a, a very interesting conversation. And if we can get a few more minutes, uh, squeeze in a few more minutes, that would be excellent, I'm sure. So, sure. again, welcome them to call in. But uh, we we have missed Rosie. We we feel sad. Uh, I hope it's not for technical reasons. Uh, I, we maybe should be should we be trying. Well, I called in fine. I, I mean, I'm I'm yeah, calling you, in on. Yeah, you were the... able to get in just fine. I did have a report from uh, the show that goes on the BC Radio Network right before us, actually, the Teenage Life of Natty, uh, that they were having problems. Uh, but it looks like uh, looks like you were able to get in. And I'm thinking that the caller on the line. Let me just kind of quick check here. Is this lipstick and dipstick? Uh, this is Anna, actually. Anna, hello. Hey. Well, you got my message. I got your message. Yeah, since you did such a great review on their book, I figured maybe uh, you would be interested in chatting with them. That would be very cool, yes. And <laughs> I should just put people in. Anna is and, a and, uh, writer. Perhaps <laughs> ease our... <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I've been thinking uh, I, I might feel slightly like a fish out of water here, but uh, hey, you know, I'm I'm always eager to take on any and all comers. And really, I, I, I ended up reading quite a fair amount of the book. I didn't read the whole thing. A fair amount of it, and, uh, and I think your assessment was, was excellent in that it's, it's, you know, it's very readable, and a lot of it is, is stuff that applies to, to any relationships in, in any directions, you know, men and sheep, whatever. You know, it, it, it boils down to... Oh, great. Here you go with the Santorum argument again. <laughs> some, you know, some pretty commonsensical things. And they're really funny. I was looking at, I've been looking at their site, too. Um, and, and it's funny. Their blog's are really funny. I mean, they're quite clever and, uh, and interesting women. So, yeah, we invite them to, to please call in. Uh, if now, well, of course, now it's the time, so it wouldn't be early. But uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, you I, know, I should mention Anna is a librarian by day and a writer for BC Magazine by night, weekend, and lunch hours, whenever we can manage to drag her away. Uh, and she actually does a few administrative things. And uh, we met up with her in Las Vegas. It was actually quite nice to meet you. Oh yeah, we had a great time. Yes, likewise. It was re- it was really fun. It was it was a great group, and uh, you you're a very you're you are very easy to get along with. You're very you're you're a smiley person. You have a very you have a very sweet smile that uh, that that's let, always let me, a pleasure uh, to see. Let me try to introduce this a little bit and set it up here. Uh, going by the names Lipstick and Dick, Dipstick, our next guest has penned a monthly advice column for best-selling lesbian magazine Curve, 
And now they've released a book of advice called Lipstick and Dipstick's Essential Guide to Lesbian Relationships. It received a great review in our own BC magazine from Anna, who's on the line with us. Hmm. You can find out more information about that book and its authors at LipstickDipstick.com, and they're here tonight to talk with us about it. Welcome to BC Radio Live, gals. Hello. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. It's, this is a little out of our sweet spot, as they say, <laughs> but but uh, more power to it, you know. Well, you really, I've, I've I've been really drawn into your world. Your site is great. Your blog is great. Thank the you. book is fun to read. I have to admit, I'd hit certain pages and just avert my eyes. <laughs> I I admit it, uh, fully and freely. You know, I'm like a 49 year old guy with four kids, and you know, what can I say? But uh, it, it's it's exactly the kind of thing, and, and you uh, certainly uh, seem to be the kind of people that break down barriers and open up doors, and that's what it's all about. That's what communication is all about. Absolutely. And there was a real um, void in the lesbian community for a book like this, and so um, this is Lipstick speaking, by the way. Um, and so it was the perfect opportunity for us to dish out a big helping of relationship advice. Um, and Anna, thank you for the great review. Um, fortunately, it's you're welcome. Received. <laughs> and um, yeah, we're excited about that. Now, do you literally call each other lipstick and dipstick? <laughs> we do now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been branded. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, was was that something that came about naturally, or did you say, okay, we're going to call ourselves this? I mean, did, did the were they nicknames that already existed? Well, um, the a lipstick lesbian is uh, is well, basically what it sounds like a lesbian who likes to be pretty and wear makeup and things like that, and they and kind of flounce around. Mm-hmm. Well, flounce? No, no. There's some. They're serious. <laughs> I was kidding about that part. I may flounce a bit. I don't know. <laughs> but um, dipstick is a word that we kind of coined, as uh, we we thought it went well together and. And since we've heard, since we've come up with lipstick dipstick, which is about four years ago, we've been in Curve. Um, we've actually heard women refer to, you know, being butch as a dipstick, and so, um, yeah. So we've been trying. We tried to, you know, read. Spreading cultural. You have left your mark on the lexicon. That's right. Totally, pop culture will never be the same. That's right. That is really interesting. Now, when did you meet, and how did you meet? We met uh, about five years ago. We were both writers for the local gay paper here. We live in Portland, Oregon, and we were both writers for the gay paper, and we met at a writer's pizza party, and we just started talking, and, um, well, lipstick. She made fun of my sweater, actually, initially, right <laughs> off the shoot, before I even knew her name. She made fun of this Angora sweater I was wearing, and so, anyway, it was really antagonistic from the beginning. I mean, she was being played. Like a movie. Yeah, it was, so... Um, and the rest is history, I guess, as they say. Yes. We knew we wanted to write together and collaborate on something, and this is a perfect fit. I've been wondering, um, how, what kind of reaction have you been getting to the book? Well, um, actually, mostly positive. We've been hearing, actually, from many um, straight people that this is good advice. You know, the ones that pick it up and read it um, actually are saying, hey, this is really good advice, no matter who who's reading this. But so far, we've mostly been gotten, gotten positive feedback. If anyone hates it, they haven't told us to our face anyway. <laughs> By the way, we hate it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll tell you what I, you know, as as not exactly the target audience got out of it, um, and, and, and it made me feel, 
it really gave me a sense of universality, and that is it, it seems to really boil down to communication and and personal integrity. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I see a lot of warning against, look, you know, don't do the wrong thing. Don't have relationships with married women, for example. Right. Yeah. Big no-no. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure that comes down to, to uh, a combination of practicality, but, but I'm sure it's also based on, you know, uh, uh, moral principles. And, um, uh, and, I mean, and who, can't, who can survive in a relationship that doesn't have moral principles, A, and, and uh, where there's not open communication, B? Yeah, I would say communication is the number one thing. Uh, the number one thing that breaks down relationships when it's, when it's lacking. Um, and certainly, you know, a lack of intimacy, but communication plays into that as well. You know, if you're not, you're not, you know, having sex, and I don't know exactly what I can say on the air, but if you're not, you know, if you're not having sex with your partner and you're not talking about the fact that, you know, you aren't having that intimate connection anymore, it's just, it's just, you know, one thing festers the other, but communication is really the key, the, the, the biggest key, I think, to it, relationship success. And respect. Yes, absolutely. Mutual respect. If if people don't respect each other, uh, you know, how how can they have a loving relationship? And of course that's that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. I I was reading the blog, I thought it was hilarious that someone called what they called you lipstick and dipshit. <laughs> 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 it was I I'm sure it was unintentional, uh Oh yeah. my god. It was so great. It was I'll cherish that moment forever. It was a drunk <laughs> lesbian. Yeah, it was the greatest thing ever, God. And and now, the one, here's the one criticism I have. Uh, that was that's a that's a powerfully, oof that that was a vicious list of songs you guys were listening to <laughs> on the 11th. Uh, I know, yeah, I yeah. can't help myself. Oh my god. Um, hey, you know, getting back to sorry, I had a thought that I was going to interject about respect. Um, something that happens in the lesbian community is um, it's really important to also respect the line between friend and lover. Um, you know, it's, it's when you have a, a great friendship with another lesbian, it can be tricky um, to know, you know, to have an intimate friendship and to know, you know, to really pay attention to not crossing that line. And so um, it's a very thin gray line in the lesbian community, and that's something that we talk about in the book, mm-hmm. too. You have to respect that line. Well, I, I mean, what I would get from that is, you know, sex is sex, and there's a difference between friendship and a sexual relationship, and, and it doesn't matter, again, you know, what the particulars are of the individuals involved, that that line is still always going to be that line. Uh, but I just, you know, I think there's also, you could step beyond the line in emotional cheating. Um, yeah. I disagree yeah. in a big way. I mean, <laughs> I, you don't have to actually, you know, have a physical affair, I think, to be having an affair. And Kathy and I disagree about this, like Internet cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, if there's anything in your inbox that you wouldn't want your partner to see, you're totally guilty. Um, Kathy totally disagrees. So yeah. even 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 penis enlargement spam? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that. <laughs> maybe not that. I don't know. <laughs> um, so anyway, I mean, think it's, I mean, maybe that's just a different perspective of you being a guy and, you know, women being, you know, more emotional, if I, if I may. And so for us, maybe it's a bigger, a bigger deal. No, no. I, I mean, I, like coming where I do, and, and, of course, where that is is, is a pretty conservative Christian guy. Um, I, I mean, I agree. I think, I think that people who uh, dally in email and spend their time chatting online and thinking that's harmless, I think it, 
it really is it really tends not to be harmless <laughs> yeah absolutely what well, a bad idea yeah and it just takes away from it's another deterioration of your relationship you're going somewhere else to get that emotional plug right. you know exactly right and and of course also ultimately um what occurs in the mind uh you know thinking emotions ultimately has some sort of physical manifestation it, it isn't necessarily that that those thoughts that you are thinking oh, are you going all secret on us uh oh no no I, i'm reading this really weird book i've been struggling through for the last month and i i, I really has taken me this long it's called the secret history of the world and it's this bizarre yet fascinating look um at the history of the world from the secret societies uh, mm. perspective and what it is is you know going all the way back to through you know, freemasons all the way back to the templars all the way back to ancient egypt and and but the basic underlying principle is is the mind creates the physical rather than you know the the typical the scientific view are the great majority or certainly the western world view now is is the opposite that first there's a physical then there's the mental mm-hmm. and so i've been thinking about that a lot and i think there is a lot of truth to that 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 you know things are things that are conceived internally things that are thought um they're already real to a certain extent yeah i mean <clears throat> i agree to some extent but i also think that you know there's no harm in having a fantasy about someone else or there's no harm in um you know if you don't act on it you can't you can't help it if you're attracted to someone but you what you can help is how you act Right. The, the question would be if you, your fantasy, if it takes place only in your own head, I mean that, that's one thing. If your fantasy extends into email, isn't isn't the act of sending email isn't that an act? Yes. Lipstick says yes. I love having we we found a, a big point of dissension. Well, we don't always agree. That's the thing no. is for sure. And uh, you know, I say if uh, if if you're not going to act on it, have no intention in acting on it then I think it's safe. Yeah, my but my thing is, uh, you know, I see so many lesbians going from one relationship to another and there's such an overlap between the two because they've allowed that emotional connection to happen before they've gotten out of the previous relationship. Um, and it, I see that as kind of unhealthy um, and, yeah. and a problem. We call that serial monogamy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a big issue in the lesbian community. Absolutely. And, yeah, and it, like you said, and this is Anna, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like you said, it does. It boils down to, um, it, you know, you have to respect that line. And, you know, if you're in a relationship, um, you know, see that one through before jumping into something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, you know, I mean, at least that should be your intention. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. yeah, you know, it's just um, women just, we love to nest. We're, you know, they say that gay men are like microwaves and women are like crockpots. And so um, <laughs> like we don't want to be, um, we don't want to be alone either. I think women tend to. Um, and so I think that may be part of the reason. You know, they stay with a relationship that's lost its meaning. Yeah. Um, and, mm-hmm. and then they're totally unhappy. Maybe they don't even know it. And then they meet somebody else that totally fulfills them. Or maybe a guy would have left, you know, a couple of years before because he wasn't getting what he wanted, whatever that was. Ooh, I like that change in tone in referring to the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, my, did it totally switch? 
There, there was kind of a sneer. Was that a sneer? <laughs> <laughs> no, no sneer. She had a big grin on I her face. I was totally smiling. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I, I believe it. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of men feel intimidated by. Uh, well, the, the two things that I found are you have you have one school of men who are extremely titillated mm-hmm. by, you know the concept, anyway, of lesbianism. And then I think mm-hmm. you have a whole other set of men, and, and they could well interlap, uh, overlap, who are extremely intimidated by it. It's like, you know, why don't these women want me? What is wrong <laughs> right. with them? What is wrong with nothing me? To do with what them. is wrong with the world? Why are men so egocentric? It has nothing to do yeah. with them. Yeah, you just want to tell a guy who, who has a reaction like that, look, there are roughly 2,999,000,000 women who don't like you for totally other reasons. This exactly. is just one more. <laughs> <laughs> they would like you if you weren't you. <laughs> and therein lies the problem. <laughs> uh, I, I have a, a question. I, I don't know you know, if I know the, there's an answer. The the What's implied in the... Uh, you know, whatever the literature, culture, just what you what you pick up and what you read. The implication is is that women, uh, gay women, tend to be more bisexual than men. Is, do you think that's true? And if so, or if not, why? I'm talking about women, gay men, obviously. Do you think that women in general or gay women? That that there's a higher percentage of women who uh, have had you know, some sort of relationship. You said gay women. Okay. Yes, gay right. women. The idea, the idea being that, that gay men are just flat out gay, whereas many women who identify themselves as lesbian are, are more prone to, say, go back mm. and oh, forth. Oh, that is Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I have a theory that um, sexuality is very fluid, and I think it's, um, and and I think that's universal, but I think that our culture doesn't really allow for that. And that is in men, like it's more acceptable in women um, for women to be able to be more open and explore their feelings, whether it be towards men or towards women. Um, but for men, um, they often don't have the, the freedom or feel like they have the freedom to do that. And I would add, m- many of the gay men that I've known through the years would sleep with a woman in a second. No. <laughs> oh, my God, totally. Oh, in a second. Like, I think, uh, um, yeah, I, I, they've, they've said that very openly. And I, have, and I have a straight um, male friend who says the difference between um, being straight and being gay is, is three beers. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think on that note, we need to move along on the show. Unfortunately, we don't have more time to talk. Uh, I do appreciate you guys uh, coming on and talking with us. Thank yeah. you so uh, much for thanks having Thanks for having us, you guys. Have a great night. Thank, Thank you. you. The book is Lipstick and Dipstick's Essential Guide to Lesbians Relationships and uh, Lesbian Relationships. And you can find out more information at lipstickdipstick.com. Right. Thanks again. Okay, right, thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Anna. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, for advice of a little different sort, we uh, turn now to a book called Indie Girl, From Starting a Band to Launching a Fashion Company, Nine Ways to Turn Your Creative Talent into Reality, which is just what it sounds like. We welcome that book's authors to the show. Welcome, Arnie and Karen. Hi. Um, hello. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing? We are. We are excellent. <laughs> we have to. We have to transition now, mentally. 
<laughs> yeah, we're, it sounds like it was a bit of a shift there. Yeah, it was. It was great, though. It was really fun, very interesting. Uh, that's one of the really great things about doing this kind of show is all the different kinds of people we get to talk to and meet and, uh, you know, just keep expanding our horizons. And, hey, people are people. Why, why must it be we get along so often? I should get along so awfully. That's a great song. Anyway. <laughs> so you guys have this book. And, and I think one of the questions that we, we were noting that our, our lineup tonight actually does involve uh, a lot of women and, and Army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been in a lot of those situations lately. So, so how is, how is we were speculating. Up- I don't know if you heard us speculating. We were saying, I wonder if Arnie is a father, that he feels this strong, uh, uh, that he is, is such a strong advocate for girls. Well, I'm I'm not a father. Um, I am a I'm an uncle, and I'm very close to my to my niece. But uh, I, you know, I'm I have a mother and a and a fiance, and and I've I grew up with a, a strong feminist mother, and I've, I'm pretty. I've felt all along that uh, women were important. I, I know it's a pretty wild and outrageous um, statement to make, but that that you know, almost sixty percent of the the world's population are are essential to our. Uh, our existence, but I thought I'd just throw that out there. Good point. Well, you you told us you put us in our place. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. And by the way, I think you're the only other Arnie I've only that I've ever actually met. My brother is A R N E. Oh wow! Is he uh, Scandinavian? We, we are Norwegian. That's uh, so my name. I'm actually named after a Finnish guy, so I'm sure there's a connection. Interesting. I didn't know it was also Finnish. All right, well, tell us how this came about. I know, Arnie, that you were working on a film, which looks just great. I've been, I've been looking at the the trailer and looking at the site. It's a really cool site. We should tell people what it is. It's girlsrockmovie.com. And uh, is there a relationship between the film and the book, or are they just uh, you know similar interests that, that happen to converge? Well, I, I should let Karen take that because she's the one who brought the, the the book to me, and so she must have thought there was a connection of some sort. <laughs> Karen and I are, are old friends, too, of course. Ah, okay. Well, p- yes, please, Karen. So I'm actually the editorial director of the book company of Zest Books, ah. um, uh, in addition to having co-authored this book. Hi. And Arnie and I have known each other for many, many years. We used to work together at a, at a website called citysearch.com. Sure. And back in its heyday, when it was kind of a pretty exciting place to work, and Arnie um, was, he did the film stuff, and I did uh, theater and visual art, and so our relationship goes way back. And um, I started working uh, at Zest about a year, year and a half ago, and it's a really new book company, and our books are completely devoted to teenagers, and they're mainly advice books and some humor books, but they're really, you know, shoot straight from the hip, and I've done a lot of work with young people, and uh, we wanted to do a book that was for that would be a book that would be empowering girls and at the same time addressing the arts and creativity, and I thought, you know, what better person to work on it with than uh, an Arnie because of his movie and all the experience he's had recently working with young women and music. And, and the other thing, too, is that Karen and I, between the two of us, I mean, Karen's been involved, and she's a playwright, and a, a writer, and and has been involved in dance and all kinds of stuff 
uh, as well as writing about it. So between us, we had, you know, I'm a filmmaker, and I did a film about people starting bands, and I had a zine for a while. Between the two of us, we had like seven of the categories covered um, in, as, in as far as things that we had done before. So it, it seemed like a really perfect kind of way to write the piece. There is a category in the book about making a parade, and I don't, I don't think either one of us has <laughs> done true. that before. What, you guys haven't just started a parade spontaneously? <laughs> Maybe in my living room when I was 12, but not, not since then. Well, you haven't lived, people. It actually I, sounds really, really fun. I it mean, is. You want to talk about empowering. Yeah, yeah. It's, a hard, it's a hard process to make a parade. I didn't realize all that went into it. You have to be you mentioned the the nine uh, the nine different projects you've got are start a band, publish a zine, create an art exhibit, form a dance troupe, put together a parade, film a TV show, put on a play, launch a fashion company, and hold a poetry slam. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of stuff. How yeah, did you we arrive really at that? that? Like everything <laughs> in the book, like you really can just use the book to do all of that stuff. You know, like yeah. people want to do things that are more complex. They can go and get more information, but we we really give all the basics. The the idea with the book was, and and this was um, again, I'll let Karen talk a little bit more about this because she did a lot of the writing in the book that kind of aims at girls and making them feel more confident. But aside from it just being creative projects, we wanted them to be projects that specifically were things that girls might feel intimidated about. Like the parade one, though it sounds fun and funny, the other side of it involves a lot of construction and a lot of work with hammers and wood and chicken wire and stuff like that. And so, you know, we wanted to put things in there that would encourage girls to sort of push beyond what they normally do. And so, um, as Karen said, these projects are, you know, the, all the basics are there, but of course all of them are sort of starting points that we're just trying to encourage girls to say, oh, great, I can totally do that. And then where they go with it beyond there is up to the untold expressiveness of, you know, 13-year-old girls, which is um, beyond anything Karen and I could obviously plan for. <laughs> I keep visualizing <laughs> Ferris Bueller uh, uh, up, on the, up on the float singing uh, Twist That's and Shout. Uh huh. <laughs> right. Dunkashin. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So you know, t- becoming the center of attention for an entire city—that you know—that yep. seems to be the way to go. How did you arrive at the at the categories that you picked? Mm, well, right. uh, we the activities. We right. Um, well, we collaborated on those. We kind of went back and forth on them. There were some real obvious ones, uh, as I mentioned before, that kind of pointed to, like, rock and roll. I mean, that's sort of what this my movie is about, is how rock and roll is, seems to a lot of girls like a domain that they're not supposed to enter. The guitars are, you know, like electric guitars. They don't have a lot of role models who are guitarists or drummers. It's mostly men. And in fact, that was a big eye. jumping off point for the book, was that, you know, starting with, starting with the, the music. Right. Because guitars are phallic. Yeah, well, that's what you know. Well, that's but, you what, know, isn't isn't everything really? Because <laughs> you're playing it wrong. Holes in the ground art. <laughs> well, the really funny thing about guitars being phallic, I mean, is that the body is not phallic. I mean, it's so funny that people talk about it being phallic, but in fact, the body is a very feminine shape. And so, there, you know, you could make an argument either way. You could say, well, men are holding in front of them a womb, you know, in front, and so isn't that weird for guys to do that? So, Good point. I mean. So, a, so the guitar itself is her, hermaphrodite, hermaphroditic. Exactly. It's probably not so much the shape of the guitar, but it's probably more that girls are less encouraged to get up on stage and really rock out. I know, I was kidding. Yeah, I know. Right. 
<laughs> as was I. But see, every joke is also an argument. out examples like heart or something. <laughs> right. But, you know, so like, I think in general, I mean, the main idea with this is I, we, we sort of really saw ourselves as, as adults, not yet with kids, but friends who have kids, who have girls who want, you know, they want them to encourage them to tackle things beyond what maybe their classmates are telling them to do. And I think that's, you know, girls are going to want to buy this book, but also, you know, that's definitely an, an avenue as a lot of people of our generation who grew up with starting their own bands and all that and, and feel some worry about seeing girls who don't think they can do those things. And we wanted the book to be a really good reminder that, in fact, all of these things are things that people with no resources have done, you know, since the beginning of culture. Interesting. Who Who is your target audience? Um, the target audience is a high school girl audience, you know, probably yeah, and 14, 14 to 18. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I think from what I've seen working at these, you know, on this movie, uh, the rock and roll camp for girls, spanned girls from eight to eighteen, and despite that definitely being the target, I could definitely see some ten and eleven year olds. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking at it, and it feels tweeny to me, and, and I mean that in a good way. It's just, I mean, you can't ignore the fact that girls today. Um, Boy, you know, eleven and twelve year olds, uh, they they can be so sophisticated and so jaded, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's a girl in our movie who, since the camp, has already been through three bands, and she's got you know her new band. She's now thirteen, and she's already you know had a big breakup, and now she's got a band that she really loves, and they're playing gigs all over the place, and they have a CD, you know, you know already. One thing that is interesting, actually, is that we interviewed, so there are quotes throughout the book, and we interviewed women who work professionally in the arts as well as teenagers who are working, you know, doing stuff in the arts now. And the general experience was that the older women were a lot more jaded than the younger women, (laughs) you know. And I think that might be twofold. I think one reason is because they're older, so they've had a lot more crappy experiences, but also, it just seemed like the younger girls felt like they were being given more of a chance, that their voices were being heard more than women of, like, one or two generations ago felt. And, and that was kind of a cool thing to see. That is. I, I, I think you're right. I think there are more options now. And, um, you know, we're kind of in a post-post-post-feminist phase now. <laughs> I mean, young girls, you know, almost seriously, I meant that, where... Uh-huh. You know, I mean, that first generation, it was it was something, it was so hard. You know, the lines were so divided and so so uh, so dark and sharp. That yeah. line between a feminist and not a feminist. And and as time has gone on, each each successive generation, I think there's a lot more uh, flexibility and intermingling. You know, I mean, you can be a feminist and still. Um, uh, you, you know, not excuse me, not describe. I have a cold. Please forgive me. I was hoping it'd be gone by by uh, tonight. I had it last week too, but uh, it, it's still not gone. So anyway, excuse me. Uh, but I think there is more flexibility. You're, you are not, uh, you know, rejecting the cause uh, if you, you know, don't ascribe to every one of the, let's say, the original, you know, feminist dogma. So. Uh, I think uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. But what I was talking about, as far as in jaded, maybe not the right word. As sophisticated is though is yeah. they're so so exposed. You know, I mean, there's just yeah. everything is out there with the yeah. ubiquity of cable and and all of the you know uh, the portability of media. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just nothing that they don't see or hear anymore, and and it just gets younger yeah. and younger. 
Well, I would argue, you know, that, that in fact that's part of what has made a generation of girls, though there are more opportunities in many ways, the very saturation of our culture. I think that in the 80s, a girl at home on her own in, in Omaha could decide she wanted to form a band and not be surrounded by, you know, videos showing to her that there are no women that are in bands. And so she might have this personal little desire to start a band and feel comfortable about it. In fact, that kind of thing happened, you know, in the early 90s and stuff where people, and, and actually throughout history in, in rock and roll, and I think that part of the, the sad thing about this, about girls being so sophisticated is that they're also absorbing a lot more negative information than they used to as well, and that there aren't as many, though the opportunities are there, it's still hard for an 11-year-old or a 12-year-old to take, to seize them because she doesn't feel like they're hers. And I that's think that, we, you, know, you know, this, I think, and this is something that Arnie's movie really speaks to as well, and this is a, it's a point that we really drove home in the book, is that there are more opportunities there without a question for young women because it, we're, like you said, in the post-post-post-feminist, you know, movement here, but that, the the problem that still exists or that maybe even exists more in some ways is that there's a real lack of confidence in a lot of these yeah. young women because of images they're seeing in the media and because of things that they're being told. And so the opportunities are there. They're able to do The resources are even there in a lot of situations. Like no one's yeah. going to tell a girl now, you know, you can't play a guitar. But yet there is a lack of confidence on the level, and, and uh, that's something that we're we're hoping to raise with putting out a book like this. Interesting. Well, uh, I, it's a noble cause, and as a father <laughs> of an 8-year-old and a 23-year-old, I, wow. I, I see that generational difference there. I'm telling you, it's really interesting yeah. to see. Are they, both, are they both girls? They are both girls. Mm-hmm. I wow. have two boys, too. We won't go into them. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's really interesting you know, having that span and just kind of trying to remember what what the 23-year-old was like at eight, and uh, you know, in each each step of the way, and uh, you know, I thought she was awfully sophisticated and grown up, but uh, you know, Lily comes along and she's been exposed to even more, uh, yeah. and it's 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 uh, you know, I'm not sure what the net result is. I'm sure a lot of it just comes down to individuals. How do individuals respond to this glut yeah. of information, this this sensory overload, but. Regardless, uh, the the goal here, and I think your execution of it, is absolutely noble and laudatory and wish you nothing but the best. I hope the book does exceptionally well. It's really it's fun, and it's really well illustrated, and I enjoyed looking through it quite well, and there's lots of good advice in there. You know, uh, there really is. I mean, it tells you how to do stuff. And anyone Thanks. Can yeah, well, that. you know, let us know what your daughter thinks of it. Yeah, I will absolutely. Yeah. I've not brought it home yet, and and that that's an excellent point. I will. That's do the that. real test, isn't it? Hand it to the eight-year-old. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've got a ten-year-old daughter and an eight, almost nine-year-old daughter, and I, I think I'm going to have to procure a copy of the book for myself. I haven't had a chance to, to see. Oh, that. perfect! And we have more books. <laughs> oh, really? You have more than this one that I have? We've got. Well, that's all we do is put out books for. Oh, I thought you meant you have more copies of the book. Uh, well, I got the only one. We only put one book I, out at a time. I apologize for being such a smart ass. I, and I appreciate <laughs> you guys picking up on it, too. That makes it a lot more fun. Some people just go, uh, what Well, I, I have a question about the book, though. I, like, like Eric, I also I do have a son in my case. And uh, you mentioned that this is, you know, this is pretty detailed recipes for how to, you know, yeah. relatively step-by-step, step, how to start a band, put on a play, hold a poetry slam, et cetera. Yeah. Can boys not read it? 
Of course, course they can. Totally, totally totally right. Indie boy. Yeah, <laughs> so it's really, it's, it's, boys could totally yeah. read it and get a lot out of it, too. I mean, yeah, I mean, as, as a boy the activities who, are pretty gender neutral. They're just, yeah. I think they are. You know, we, we, I mean, I, sorry, go ahead, Karen. No, I was just going to say the book has that, you know, that girl power slant to it because yeah. that was part of our mission. Sure. But the projects, you know, are they're they're totally gender neutral for, you know, for So any part. boy that can manage to get past all the positive talk about those icky girls. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and about like, you know, bonding together <laughs> instead of gossiping at the mall, but like really putting your energy into building a project together. That was like a really big part of our focus, you know, and that's yeah. more aimed at girls than I would also boys. add that the design, you know, the look and the artwork and all that, it's re in the graphic, it's not too icky girly at all. <laughs> no. We try and steer away from that in general. Um yeah. I don't like pink personally, so I'm always like <laughs> less pink every time we put out a book. But well, I, I think right. the whole thing is is very positive, and I'm sure the other books are really great too. And I, I will have to um, you know keep my eye out for those and check those out. But this one, the one I'm looking at, I, I can certainly recommend. And uh, uh, congratulations on it. I would like to talk about the film a little bit more, but you know we'd love to have you come back maybe to talk about that. Actually, it looks like we have a few minutes now. Our uh, our next guest has not called in yet, so let's. let's What's up with the women singer songwriters blowing us off? <laughs> I have no comment on that. <laughs> so Holly hasn't called in either. No, that is correct. God, you really do switch. have a chick-centered lineup tonight. We're gonna we're gonna we switch do. to an all-author. Uh, we're gonna go we all-author. Singer leading us off. We had the uh, the advice columnist you heard uh, just just before you, and then. Uh, well, why don't we let Arnie talk about his movie a little yeah, bit? Yeah, please, really, please do. I'd love to hear about it. the trailer. Is I, I had a tear in my eye just from the trailer. And by the way, who, I can't remember who did that artificial life song. That's Rainier Maria. Ah, yes, that's right. I have it. I have that on a collection. And I knew yeah. I knew the song, but I just couldn't think of who it was. Yeah, that's one of my old favorites. I wanted to find some way to work that into the movie. It's in the film as well as the trailer. It's a great song. I love it. It's a wonderful song. The website, the website we're talking about now is girlsrockmovie.com. And i got to tell you, Arnie, I want one of those girls rock T-shirts. Well, we'll get we'll set you up then. There's a we've got girls rock shirts and actually the indie girl book you can buy on my site as well and and also uh, pre-order the DVD. But the movie's playing in theaters right now all across the country. Depending on on where you live, you can you can check on our website at girls rock movie and there's a screen area a theater section where you can see where we're playing. It's about 40 cities still to play. So uh, wow, everywhere in the country it's going to be coming. So when did when was it when did it officially premiere? Uh, it premiered on March seventh in seven cities, including New York and L.A. and several other places. And it's since then played about twenty cities and and has forty to go. And it's been great. I and mean, we've been having an amazing response. And um, one of the really incredible things that sort of ties into the indie girl stuff is that we've been getting a, having a lot of great conversations with both mothers and daughters about. Um, the issues that come up in the film because it's you know it's a movie that's about a rock and roll camp for girls and about little kids a couple of girls who get you know who we sort of focus on who are uh, it's really fun and and hilarious but there's also some some serious issues that come up about the way girls feel about you know their confidence and their body image and stuff like that and it's been really inspiring to to see those kinds of conversations come out of the film when we've gone to Q and A's and in articles we've read about it and, and blogs and stuff like that. And I, I hope that Indie Girl, although Indie Girl is certainly aimed at a more, you know, it's, 
it's uh, it's really more just for girls to have a great time. You know, it's it's to get them inspired to do stuff. Um, I hope that the same thing will happen. That girls will, you know, have some insights into new things they want to do and and feel a sense of confidence out of reading the book too. Because I would love the two to be part, the book and the movie, to be part of a sort of change in consciousness that that sweeps over the country. Eric wow, that's and quite. Eric and I are in luck. It's uh, coming to the Angelica Film Center in Dallas, uh, second week of May. That's and right. It's going to be in Cleveland at the end of May. Uh, I will absolutely check it out. And you know it's who I'll take? It's a great movie. Take your, take your kids. I'm taking those daughters. Yeah, yep. it's a great movie to bring, to bring young women to. I saw it twice, actually, and loved it. It's, it's really Both of mine film. are actual real singers as well. Mm-hmm. I, I love that Karen keeps herself keeps calling herself a, a young woman still. I, I, I've been... Uh, I have just let go of calling myself a young man just this last year. I, I wasn't calling myself a young woman. <laughs> you, you said you said it's a great movie to, to take young women to. I've I seen it two times. <laughs> oh, right. Well, those were two separate thoughts, Arnie. You know, there's like a period in the middle there. Or, or there was at least a semicolon. At least right. a semicolon, but I think there was a period. <laughs> what is that? What, what is it? What's the word? Sejura? How do you pronounce that? The, the, I'm not sure. Karen's my editor anyway, so we'll have to concede to her. She's well, okay. well, look, if she's not 40, she's a young woman. Hey, I'm not exactly. 40. I'm not 40, yeah. There you go. But I was if you're not 40, your you're kids. a young man, too. Oh, good. For two more months. you got a little time there. Excellent. I'm glad I could help you out with that. I, you, you know when that struck me is when I read uh, A Bonfire of the Vanities. And near the beginning of it, you're meeting the guy, and he's 40. And when I read it, I was maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, mid-20s or late-20s. And, and hearing, you know, the, uh, the writer at the time was probably, I don't was he in his 50s maybe at that point, I'm guessing. Yeah. So he's 70s now, I think, early 70s. Yeah. And so anyway, he was, he, he, he was describing, uh, you know, the, the character, the 40-year-old, as a young man, as having the characteristics of a young man and... And this mm-hmm. and that, and I remember, you know, being in my mid to late twenties, thinking, "Wow, that is so cool! I got way more time than I thought to be a young <laughs> man." <laughs> that's a great, that's a great perspective. I like that. Yeah. At the time, man, I was DJing full time, and I felt old. I was out, you know, four or five nights a week, drinking all the time. I was always hungover. I just felt like hell, and I felt old, you know. I thought, I got to get younger here, you know. And and I did. I mean, it really how you how you live your life really is ultimately what it comes down. You can't you can't change your age, but you can yeah. change your habits. I think I'm sure. I mean, I I decided to make a film at the age of 37 for the first time. You know, I hadn't ever made a documentary before or a movie, so you can start at any point. Well, why don't you tell us about you know how did it all come together? And and uh, and I don't think we've really given a, an actual description of it too. So why don't why don't you uh, do that for us, please? Well, it's um it's a documentary about four girls, um, 15, 17, 8, and 7 years old, who go to this rock and roll camp for girls. And it sort of follows their adventures as they go there, um, form bands, write songs. And in five days, they have to, you know, do all of this and learn their instrument. In some cases, they've never even played the instrument that they're, um, they're playing. And then play in front of 700 people on the sixth day. So it's, it's a pretty intense... Um, a week and a lot of stuff happens and the girls, you know, tackle all kinds of issues, but they also just, you know, 
are incredibly creative and inspiring. It's I, I mean I I have to say after I came out of that making the movie, I, I was just telling everybody. I mean my new heroes are all twelve these days. Like those are my mentors basically. Because I, I watched a 12-year-old girl who never even seen a drum kit get in front of 700 people and play drums, and I'm, like, too scared to sing Happy Birthday in front of more than five people, you know, so... I'm not sure that's actually true, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe, you know, a few more than five. I, I have been known to karaoke on occasion. There's all kinds of performance anxiety, you know? It takes, right. it takes many forms. Wow. And, and well, most of them are dealt with by beer. Well, we we have that option. Those those young girls don't. I hope they anyway. don't. Yeah. So now, so did you do this in real time? I mean, how did how did you know that you wanted to shoot this? How did you know about it? You know, ahead of time to then go in and and to film this. Well, I uh, was at um, a, an event. There's a, a band that I really love called Pleater Kitty, and um, there was a, a woman from that band at an event speaking about art and stuff. And her name's Carrie Brownstein. And she was just uh, getting uh, questions from the audience and somebody had asked her if she thought rock and roll was dead. And, well, you know, first of all, she's still making rock and roll, so she wasn't super happy about that question. And then, secondly, she had just come from teaching at the camp, so she went into a really inspiring speech about how these girls were making the most amazing experimental music and the future of rock and roll was very healthy. And um, it was one of those moments, you know, I think we all have, if you're a writer or a filmmaker or anything, where you get this sort of spidey sense tingle, you know. An epiphany. Yes, exactly. I was just like, something, I don't know what's going on up there, but something is going on that is worth talking about. And so, um, so you know, we contacted the camp, and they were, you know, one of the great things about the camp is they're very protective of the girls and very protective of their scene, you know, what they've created for the girls. And so they were not at all excited about us wanting to make a documentary. They weren't like, sweet, we're going to be famous. They were very... <laughs> skeptical and, you know, wanted to know what our thoughts were about feminism and where we were and, and wanted to see some footage. And so it was a it was an intense process to get started on it, but one that I'm, I've always been very grateful for because it made the process of convincing them that we were the right people to make the movie was also the process of us learning what the movie was really about, and that was really good. Interesting. Well, that kind is, of had uh, to put through the, put through the fire there to, to yes. conceptualize it. Exactly. Well, the movie is called Girls Rock, and uh, it is touring around the country right now. You can find out more information about it at girlsrockmovie.com. And uh, we've also been talking about a book called Indie Girls, From Starting a Band to Launching a Fashion Company, Nine Ways to Turn Your Creative Talent into Reality. Right. And you'll find a link to order it actually also at girlsrockmovie.com or at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. Or zestbooks.net. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Arnie and Karen, for talking with us tonight. Thank you. It's been really, really fun. Yep. And I also want to thank uh, Lipstick and Dipstick and Anna, who called in earlier, as well as my co-host, Eric Olson. This has been another episode of BC Radio Live. We broadcast live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, so be sure to visit us live to participate in the chat room, watch the live video feed. If you do miss the live broadcast, that's all right. Audio archives are always available online, usually in about 30 minutes after the end of the show. Or you can subscribe to the podcast to have BC Radio Live delivered to you each week. Once again, that's blogtalkradio.com slash radio. Until next week, aloha. 